Hello, everyone, and welcome to Game Studies Review. I am by Cody Reimer, as I am every other week. We've been gone for a little bit because I was sick. Not COVID, though, is uh, what everyone wants to know. It was not yeah, COVID, it, though, mimicked all of the. It turns symptoms. out when you go for like two years without getting sick at all, then if you get a minor cold, it's probably kind of nasty, right? Well, and that's what everyone keeps saying. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, you don't have a voice. I'm like running these meetings. And as my provost puts it, I am bossy. And I think she was thinking of a different B letter word when she said it. Uh, but either way, I, I have a provost said that. Well, I, I don't, I don't like meetings where you waste time and you talk a lot about what you're going to talk about. And that happens in all these meetings. And you're just like, so I'm all action items back to the agenda, back to the point. Uh, so you'd think a provost would appreciate that sort of, you know, guidance through a meeting given it, how many meetings they're inevitably in that it was are said just with terrible the most uh like admiration and love possible it was oh, not a okay. slight it was okay. it was very very i nice. thought it was one of those like strong women are bossy kind no, of no, kinds no. of things no, no, ah, no. she's, okay. she's very right. similar i think which is not suffering fool anywho right. tonight we are talking about one of the OGs of uh, game studies in general, um, Jesper Jewell. Jesper OG Jewell. meaning original gaming scholar. And, yeah, original original gamer is what I thought. Is that not what that means? Original oh, gamer? Sure, we'll go with uh, that. So one of the original gamers uh, and been publishing for literally longer than I've known you could study games as a thing um, most yep. of my adult life. Very excited the game of video game objects, a minimal theory of when we see pixels as objects rather than pictures, a little bit of a mouthful. Um, very yeah, this excited. Was, this was um, part of his presentation at the <clears throat> 2021 annual symposium on computer human interaction and play, mm -hmm. uh, which was very recent, or at least it, uh, well, yeah, it was still, even at the time of this recording was very recent 2021, yep. uh, but I had seen him tweet about it and he had tweeted that he delivered this, uh, talk and had made a game to go along with it. And so it's like, Oh, that sounds awesome. I love cool. the idea of games and scholarship. I'll flag that. Maybe we'll do a review of that. So. And uh, full disclosure, if you want us to review something, Cody's the one to tweet at. Uh, you're pretty active on Twitter. You do your due diligence as a scholar involved in the medias of social. So I try. Uh, yeah, you do a great job. You do a great job. And this is 2021. Very recent. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, so introduce us to the article since you picked it out, Sir Cody. Sure. So Jewel is addressing uh, the question uh, and I think he uh, he writes it as, quote, how do we in the first place decide to see a group of pixels on a screen as an object to which we have access rather than as a picture of an object, end quote. So he's arguing that game worlds are designed based on intentional abstraction along what he identifies as human categories mm -hmm. rather than what he calls bottom-up simulations. Uh, and so this kind of article coupled with his playable preface um, he's saying that to make an, the issue of object, he wants to make the issue of object identification tangible. This is a very sort of uh, 
philosophical, ontological um, approach to how do we understand how we engage with games as, as something that is interactive, um, although he has, you know, that he would take uh, issue with that language, but how do we recognize that what we're looking at in a game is something that we can interact with? And for those who think that you're making sort of a distinction without a difference here, um, that point is very important. So his project for what he's trying to do, which is not a philosophical one, is very important as we get on later in the podcast, as well as um, the venue medium, and this is the message here of, of this article, presentation, ab- extended abstract, whatever. So so the venue and what you just stated is is very important as we go on um, to talk about what he's talking about here. So continue. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so he's giving this talk and he's trying to lay out some foundations and groundwork to explore how to better understand, you know, objects, how to make them, I- the, the identification of them as an object mm-hmm. tangible rather than just as a picture. And so um, he's trying to better frame the conversations he's seen to, to lead to more productive understandings of how we talk about game objects. Mm-hmm. Uh, he notes some earlier discourse uh, that was used like interactive, virtual, uh, half real, which was his own. That which was is the, his own his, mm-hmm. a nod to his own book. Uh, and he identifies the literature concerned with the totality of presence and immersion. Uh, and ultimately asks, what are the minimal cues necessary for us to consider something as an object, as present to us, however imperfectly, end quote. And he, uh, the game and the article walk us through three questions and answers mm-hmm. that try to guide uh, the, the audience toward uh, a better conclusion. Uh, the first question he poses is, when do we experience pixels as an object rather than just as a picture. And the answer was that if the object signified by the pixels reacts to our actions or interacts with other objects in the game world, especially if relevant for what we are doing. The second question, when does an object, uh, an on-screen object signifying a ball, et cetera. Can can uh, we go back to that first question real quick? So for those who, like myself, glaze over at academies, they're saying like, if you have a picture of a ball on a um, flag is the example, I think, or a, a fl- or whatever flag from the game. And the, the ball is pixels. It's a picture. But if you can like punch the flag and it moves and ripples in the wind, the flag is an object because you can, it reacts to our actions, right? Sure, sure. The ball yeah. on the flag is a picture the flag itself, if you punch it or waves in the wind, is an object. Okay. Yeah, if there's a sign that has a picture of a ball on it. I think and it was a sign. A, yeah, yeah. yeah, if there's a sign that has pixels representing a ball on it, and then there's pixels in front of the sign representing a ball, um, and you go to punch you know, the ball that's on the sign, you're punching the sign. And the si- but if the sign but, waves back and forth, but the if, sign is an object, right. the ball is a picture. If you punch the, the pixels representing the ball in front of the sign, maybe the ball moves. And you might think it would if it's casting a shadow as a ball might, right? Indeed. Whereas the sign is casting, is casting, you know, I'm air quoting that, right? Like the mm-hmm, pixels mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. showing uh, that the sign is a the sign. Dimensionalness of it, yes. Right. Okay, okay. Uh, question two. When does an on-screen object signifying a ball feel like a ball? The answer, when it can do the ball-like things relevant for what we're trying to do. 
which doesn't right yes ball like things love naturally ball like things Mm -hmm. question Mm -hmm. three when do we consider a video game object as a real object of its type Mm -hmm. answer when it's a type of object that we don't define as physical in the first place but all depending on what we're trying to use it for and you know i think these questions uh are better explored in the preface in the game the video game that he built as a sort of like prologue or preface to the article which is great go go play it it takes like 10 15 minutes um so ultimately he he writes the actual practice of game design and programming is thus not concerned with creating a universal general world or object but with creating objects with the relevant properties for the player in the specific activity of a game Mm -hmm. we can therefore say some things about game objects one game objects are designed for human intentional activity obviously obviously. Two, game objects are designed for specific activities. Hence, there will never be a universal metaverse world where all objects of a given type are designed the same way. Not so, lo- obviously. Well, I also love the, the subtle dig at, at meta and metaverse. Three, game objects are designed not around emulating the natural world, but around human concepts like collision, object, insult, Four different kinds of worlds have different kinds of objects, end quote. Ultimately, he's saying, like, if you want to simulate something, you've got to choose how to communicate uh, what you want to the audience, to the player. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your programming, your design, it's all rhetorical in the sense that you have to abstract this meaningfully for its purpose in situ in the game for Mm -hmm. the player. Uh, you can't simulate it perfectly, obviously, right? Like that's just never going to happen. And so how do we, one of the questions is how do we identify or understand which layers of abstraction make those objects into objects rather than just pixels? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he comes up with a whole bunch of rules and mm-hmm. nine rules. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to read them. I'm not going to define them, but I'm just going to read them because I want to refer back to at least one of these okay. uh, later. So the rule of perspective, a rule of interaction, a rule of ghostly objects, rule of sculptures, rule of relevance, rule of prototypicality, rule of incoherence, rule of presentation consistency, <laughs> and the rule of universality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the kind of contributions that he's leaving us with or leaving, you know, uh, game designers, because that's his audience here. This is the CHI for play kind of audience, uh, is that, quote, game objects are mostly not about perfect immersion presence or about ignoring the mediation, uh, mediation on the screen, but about something much more basic, pragmatic and complex, judging if pixels represent an object. And if the object is relevant to our actions, if we think of as a given type of object, and if we consider it as an actual instance of its type. But all of this is always contingent on the type of object, our cultural and genre expectations for that object, and on what we are trying to do as players, which is, again, contingent on the kind of world it is, among many possible kinds of worlds, end quote. And I think that that's really helpful um, and and a useful kind of offering for folks trying to design experiences and simulate things through 
necessary abstraction. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think there are some gaps and things that would make his exploration richer, more nuanced, better developed, and to better recognize a lot of the ex existing scholarship that already talks about this in meaningful ways. Well, and I, I, I totally agree. And as I was reading through this, you already had your notes up and I saw what you were looking at as gaps. And, and I thought like, it was, it was so obvious, which is why at the beginning, obvious to uh, us, very obvious to us. Um, and probably other game scholars too, right. Which is why sure. it, I think it's worth noting that this is for a human computer interaction conference um, the audience might be different and not familiar with these concepts um, because there is no way that the original gamer, Jesper Jewell, uh, is not aware of these people we're going to bring up in the gaps that would have greatly um, nuanced and enriched this argument. There's just no way. Can you imagine going to that conference and trying to like <laughs> make an appeal for your concepts by talking about Baudrillard. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so this is, uh, I think, I think, uh, Baudrillard wasn't even the first one that came to mind, like simulacra and simulacrum, uh, you know, simulation and simulacra. His book, uh, was, is, is really pretty dense, uh, and sort of heady stuff. It's wonderful. And it's really I, good. I and thought, I don't think Baudrillard's like, I don't know. He's he's a heck of a lot more engaging than some of those folks, I think. Sure. I think it was because when we read him, it was paired with like Adorno and Horkheimer and Althusser. And so like my my brain was already it. just being, you know, just, just gooified. Yeah. Uh, I think more importantly, and something that definitely would have landed with the CHI crowd is mm -hmm. Borges. Yeah, like on sure. his on his actitude of science and the metaphor of the map. How is like, that not in here? How is the parable of the map for understanding the oh necessary layers of abstraction? You know, how is that not here? That's exactly what you're doing. That's and what so you're talking I looked about. down to the works cited because sometimes if people they're not directly citing for whatever rhetorical reason, but, not, but yeah. they'll at least put it in the reference to be like, look, I understand this is the uh, you know the heritage of these ideas. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. So, so there's, there's Baudrillard, there's Borge. And then I also think, and it's, I know, do I, not I, understand why you have Latour in here. Tell me. So Latour's actor network theory, he wouldn't have obviously have time to like necessarily explain it to CHI folks. And I'm not sure if they would know Latour. I think they would, they would, mm. right. They would know actor ant, but Latour talks specifically tries to define reality in some meaningful ways by exploring like he, it's something to the effect of and i'm going to slaughter this so all you literians can come hop up in my mentions and we can <laughs> we can talk about it uh i've mostly come to latour through graham Harmon's work but nevertheless L latour is saying like something is real based on the number of you know connections it has to other nodes like a node is real based on the strength of those connections so something Such as a that constellation is might be real based on anyway Sure. Right. So like the idea, like if it has a bunch of connections to other things because it shows up in other media, right, because it's been, you know, uh, referenced in these ways. Sure. It's real. Popeye is real. Of, mm -hmm. of course, he's real. He, he's fiction, but he's still real. Right. There are magazines that you can hold in your hand that are Popeye magazines. He, he is as real as any other fictional character in many ways. Sure. And so the number in, of uh, connections that something has indicates the strength of its reality. Okay. And so understanding 
like how networked reality works in, in actor network theory in that way can be helpful for appreciating, right, the reality that he's trying to discuss. Because one of Jules' examples is like when he re recreates a literal calculator in the game. It's like, is this real? It functions exactly like a calculator, but it's just pixels and all the code behind it. It's like, well, what's the guy's name that investigates? Is it Andy something? Investigates like if you have a prosthetic limb, like when Stellark. Stellark. Thinking about Stellark. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that was a been... French, uh, French artist and sculptor, and that would have been legit in here. The the first place my mind went to. Um, besides Baudrillard, Baudrillard was all up in here for me, uh, was Julian Dibble, Raven Spire, Cyberspace, right? I mean, that's that's the first thing I thought of, like, yeah. constituting... Right. What's that? Stellark is Australian. I just looked it up. My apologies to <laughs> Stellark. Stellark. Um, uh, Raven Cyberspace, right? I mean, and Yeah, Hales, absolutely. Yep. Uh, like, there's, there's so much... And thank you for bringing that in, because I was like, I, saw, I listed Borge, Baudrillard, and Latour, and I'm like, I'm missing all the women. Where are they? I know Alex will will help me because oh, yeah. I was just yeah. But yes, absolutely. Dibble and yeah, Dibble in here, and Hales, Hales in here. Like there's everybody, and it, yep. and it's not. I don't think it. I don't think this is a a, a purely like cite your elders because again, he he is an elder in this field, right? But but you are like in my opinion missing so many rich deep connections. Um, which, which to me was like, uh, the richness of this is gone. Like, like we we end at pixels as if that's the only thing that's at stake here when we think about what's real and what's not real on the screen. And I just yeah. felt it felt it was like, it was like, come on, I love your take on this. Like, I want to sit and have a beer with them and discuss this. Like, I feel I like that's. We're just missing I mean, the richness. For if me. if you really want to go go back to the OGs and mm -hmm. talk about you know what what matters and pix you know not leaving it at pixels, we could go back to Hamlet on the holodeck. Hamlet on the holodeck. Go back to OG Janet Murray That's and talk right. about Eliza and people's literal meaningful yes. connections with a Rogerian you know bot. How asking, is that not you know, here? Or um, Rogerian psychological questions. or a Sherry Turkle alone together? People's relationships with fake pets or fake babies yep. or a Tamagotchi, right? Like fake, not fake, real, but that's not, not real. He's interested in you know, the objects, right? The ontology of pixels and, and objects. And so he's, it's, it's as if we can disconnect an right. object from its impact when it pushes back against the human emotional, you know, whatever. So you we might phrase the question as like, how do we identify and establish those emotions through our programming because he's talking to programmers when we're talking about you might design. think about a ball has particular expectations when you come upon a ball and if it's violates that then it's not a ball for us sure it, anyway um to me i to me i had to continually remind myself of the project that was at play because it was and it was unsatisfying if a different scholar had written this uh that wasn't an original game studies scholar, I might've uh, taken taken it less, uh, I don't know, to heart, but I was like, come on, man, where's the depth? Where's the depth? I want to, I want to hear what you really have to say about this. Cause it just didn't do it for me, but I, there, there are not that there aren't many great points, but, but this, the game that the, that the scholarship on this goes back 
to the beginning of game studies. Sure, but we have to appreciate, right? This is not, this was a talk at a conference. And not even, I mean, what we saw was the write-up of the talk. Well, right, it was the write-up of the talk. So that, you know. For a different audience than ourselves. For, for a, yes, a very different But again, different part of this podcast is contextualizing these pieces for people who might want to read them. So there Abs- you it. Absolutely. Uh, I will Absolutely. tell you what I loved about it. Uh, there tell me what se- you loved. Several points that I thought, like, that were very well made. Um, I don't know how to say the word, a, a leaf, a leaf, a leaf, a leaf uh, explains our reaction to horror as a non-conscious mechanism, making us react emotionally to something uh, we consciously know not to be real. I, I love that idea. I have not encountered that concept recently, at least in, in, uh, in my memory. Uh, I love horror movies anyway, but it, that applies to many things besides horror movies. I love that concept. I love that brought in here. Um, I, I like the understandable list of rules, especially recently. It feels like when we get into a list of anything, people are trying to make it so, scholars try to make it so all encompassing that it really like starts to lose meaning because it just gets like so much hedging and so much, like just so many qualifiers. And he just like straight up gives you the list and, and maybe it's not all encompassing, uh, but it is very useful. I think it'd be very useful for programmers. Um, I dug that, dug that list of nine things that Cody read earlier. Um, loved the, uh, this Lee quote that he has in here that, um, dictates part of a section. What makes human minds not notice the virtuality of incoming stimuli? To me, that's a way more interesting question about where the human mind, um, when you're playing something like what, what, make something, uh, what makes you not recognize or, um, what calls us, I will say as what hails us, what hails us. Thank you. As not being a virtual object, but as being a real object, like when that switches off on, on for our brain, uh, that to me is a much more interesting question than what the definition of an object is or what the, you know, that, that calling question, uh, and what, what makes it, um, disappear into the background as reality. That's another scholar. I can't remember uh, which one off the top of my head. Uh, that to me is a great question. Um, so those are the things I loved. Cody, what about you? Uh, yeah, I, there was, there, I love the idea of a playable preface of games as scholarship. That is totally my jam. I appreciated the nod to, to Magritte's painting, This Is Not a Pipe. Uh, and I'm thankful <laughs> that he is, that. I'm thankful that he's trying to define terms though I do chuckle that he spends a paragraph on a term that philosophers spend books on, but I guess that's, that's what philosophers do, right? I do um, not appreciate that. It's, Go on. It is savvy to recognize the trap of defining, quote, the most important properties of objects, end quote. And he's like, this is a trap. Don't try to define the most imp- important properties of objects. And that that kind of move feels like a very games ontologist project. Yeah. Um, and instead he wants to situate them within four players in the game world. And I love, love, love the, the sentence habituation matters. Yeah. Like that. Um, that being said, I do have a couple of, of kind of gripes. Um, uh, the, the trap that he recognizes not to try to define the most important properties of objects mm-hmm. feels awfully similar mm-hmm. to trying to define 
all of the ways that we recognize them as objects. Yes. Like, you know, he's like, it's a trap to, you know, uh, define the most important properties of objects. So instead, I will give you all. all so here's of the this, ways but unordered. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, and, and I was kind of going along with it at first until the like the ghost one right hmm. rule of ghostly objects if it has no physical properties then we assign it the ghostly status it's like man you can just keep doing this until you're blue in the face like yeah, there's no end to this list it is a futile task and while some of these a handful of these even even just these nine can be useful for your audience, for CHI folks in play to think about in these ways, it is only as good as its theoretical underpinning to explain why it is wholly and utterly incomplete and entirely dependent and reliant upon designer expertise mm -hmm. to navigate and tailor the experience for the players based on that habituation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that happens well enough. It, that's frustrating to me. Only Cody slightly Reimer. more frustrating to me. Only slightly more frustrating to me was that Jesper Jewell's game did not have a very good player experience for me because the first placard navigating you in the world is like point and click to navigate the train. So that's what I did. And I got shoehorned into a wall in a corner and could not click my way out of that hole for 20 minutes and it took me three playthroughs until i realized on my own through player experience and genre conventions and through no direction of his what? that you can use wasd mm -hmm. to move so that was i that was very frustrating to me i love the player uh the player prologue and i totally get it's a playable prologue uh but it put me in a in a real um sour headspace as i was uh, how do you define playing. real sour headspace is what i want to know uh, uh i was lucky enough, candy isn't it i was lucky enough to use wasd from the beginning so i did not oh, have a problem however rule breaker. I, uh, you know i've got the two littles i'm running around i've been <laughs> sick i i kept trying be like i gotta prep for this podcast oh my voice is finally back maybe cody can do it tonight let me prep I don't, I can only get to my computer a couple of days a week when I have a sitter, which I cannot have when I'm sick. Obviously my mother-in-law can't come watch the kids when I'm sick. Uh, and you couldn't play the game from the phone. I'm like, man, this is tough. I, I, I probably tried like five times because I just kept forgetting. Oh yeah, let me do. Oh, but then you said, you said I needed to play the game first, which you're right. You do need to play the game first before you read this article. Um, but that was, uh, that was my game frustration even, but when I did finally sit down, I used that from the beginning. Um, and, uh, and I agree with your, with the things that were unsatisfying to you. Um, the thing that really bothered me is this whole reliance on a perfect, th there must be something going in uh, human computer interaction that I don't understand because that, that this must as a reference to, because this, this idea of he's railing the whole time against an idea of a perfect object and a perfect definition and a perfect this and a perfect that. And I like, don't understand it. It's this, to me, it was this straw man that like, who, who's trying to understand the perfect object. Like to me, that was like, who's doing that. And then he, cause he keeps arguing against that. that, that that's the exigence of the whole piece. 
um, is argue is like, we don't need to find the perfect object. Let's look at these things. We're not gonna find a perfect definition. And then he keeps like doing this wordplay. Oh, however imperfectly we're doing this and however imperfectly we're doing that. And I'm like, dude, no one's saying any of this needs to be perfect, but obviously someone is that I'm not understanding the reference to some, someone must be, and that must have been what he positioned this uh, in opposition to, which might make a whole lot more sense. Um, but, and, and, and if that is the case, and it is some, you know, scholarship in HCI that is making that, it would stand reason why he would not call that out in his lit review explicitly, because that person could very well be in attendance. And he's just like, yeah, you there in that chair. We all must remember that scholars are people, too, and they have yeah. families and we Absolutely. all work hard fighting for this piece of the pie that is utterly meaningless and has no power. Uh, so we need to well, the pie had power over me. Be cognizant of it. I said no to a piece of pie today. I, I have had so much pie lately. It's, it's, it's a tough time here. Uh, what, what's a bottom line? We didn't talk about the bottom line yet. What's our bottom line here? Um, I think if, if you are a designer or programmer and um, this is like revelatory for you, I think you should check it out. I think it's a decent on-road or on-ramp to thinking about um, design experience and abstraction and how to think about from a design perspective and a programmer's perspective, objects and the creation or design of those objects as communicating their objectness to players in a accessible uh, way. Um, that That's my bottom line. Um, I think that sounds great. I agree with you. And uh, Jesper Jules, shout out to you for doing something that's very close to object-oriented ontology uh, that didn't make me, uh, you know, throw up. So well done. <laughs> you talked about objects in a way that, uh, that I didn't hate. And that is no small feat. If anybody has listened to other episodes of this, uh, that is no small feat. Uh, email us or better yet, tweet at Cody if uh, CJ Reimer, right, on Twitter. Yes. Uh, if you uh, have an article that you want us to review, we're particularly interested um, in underrepresented scholars. Love that. If you've been reviewed on the podcast, go ahead and tag. You can tag a friend of yours to be the next one reviewed. We tried to do stuff within the last three, six months. Uh, we're always uh, open for other ideas. Reviewing games is something we might do in the future. Hmm? Could be fun. Uh, we sometimes interview authors on here about their book projects. So we're, we're up for anything that might be helpful to you scholars. So uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Reach out to us in our email game, such as review at gmail.com. And uh, take care of yourself, man, because I've been sick for like, for like 17 days now. That's too long. That's too yeah, long. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay safe, everybody. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you later.